Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered, episode 396. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvay, and I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello. So it's been a week, week. and what a week it's been. What have you done this week? What have I done this week? Uh, Not a whole lot. (laughs) Lift things, put them down. Yeah, lift things, put them down. Uh, Finally wore pants. Nope, I don't wear pants. But pants are overrated. They're, they're um, not as they 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 constrict. They're they're not freeing. Especially when your quads get bigger. But uh, and I went through that skinny Jane phase, skinny jean phase. So yeah, I, I, I'm now wearing more jogging pants than anything. If I wear pants, so. Not that I have big legs well, to begin with, but eh, work. We're work. You're working on. You're working on. I, I'm. I'm getting there. I did leg day today. So, uh, yeah, it's been a fairly busy week on my end as well. Apparently, the Navy is a uh, very demanding of their of my time for some strange reason that still can't figure out. I can't figure out how they haven't figured you out yet. Soon soon uh so anyway this week coming uh it's going to be i'm going to be gone i'll probably be gone for a couple weeks actually so it's just going to be you and possibly matt's holographic image so just me so it's just going to be my show yeah it's going to be interesting after the second half of this show trig unfiltered (laughs) So uh, for this episode, we'll talk uh, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the last couple of games, um, the inconsistencies there. We'll talk a little bit about the rumors, and in the second half, we're gonna we're gonna go into the Slavkovsky debate, his progress, his development, all of that. Uh, so why don't we just kick it off with the recent games? So the last few games, uh, it's been. It's been something. Uh, the Canadians have been giving up touchdowns, but the last game they played against Washington, they looked a lot better overall, but still came up short. I honestly thought Carlson, if Carlson didn't block that shot from Zlikoski, that was it going into overtime uh, with like yeah. 0.7 seconds left or seven seconds left or something like that. Uh, I thought the Washington was actually a fairly good game for the Canadians. Yeah. Uh, I thought Jake Allen played well, considering um, I don't know what happened in the St. Louis game. That was just terrible. Um, I don't know. It seemed like they scored their goal. Evan scored that goal, and then it all just went to shit. Like, it's almost like they forgot what they were doing out there, and then St. Louis just dominated, just dominated. Uh, And I don't think uh, Caden Primo had a very good game in that game either. Um, no, it was Allen in that game against St. Louis. Oh, sorry. 
Sorry, Alan. I, was it Alan? Oh, not Primo. Uh, it was. Montembeau. It was Alan? Montembeau okay, well, against the Rangers. Right. Okay. So I don't think uh, it was actually Montembeau, I don't think, had a good game against the Rangers. I don't think Alan had a very good game against St. Louis. Um, I think the three goalie system is hurting Allen more than anybody else. Uh, I agree. But because, uh, I mean, Primo against the Ducks, I mean, 13 shots and none of them were really, I mean, yeah, he got his first shadow. Good for him. I'm not going to take that away from him. He um, made this, he, he stopped the shots that came his way. He did, but I, he didn't really have to make any. Actually, you know what? He made a couple. He did make a couple good saves in that game. Uh, you're absolutely right. He was positioned well. Uh, he not none of the shots looked hard on him, but that could have been his positioning. That could have been him. That I'm not. I'm not going to take his first shutout away from him. I'm trying to say, whatever. But uh, um, let's be honest, though, the way the team has left him out to dry in other games, they owed him that. Oh, I mean, that was probably the most perfectly played two way game by the Canadians all season. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, it was either that or Anaheim is that shit that they really didn't play that well. They just looked like they played that well, but I don't think. I thought they played really well on both sides of the puck. Um, and a six of but, one, half dozen of the other. Yeah. By the way, I think their power play is like 12th in the league in the past since Christmas. So, uh, ninth. Ninth in the league. So props to them. And their power play has been up and down because I believe in October, 1st of November, they were around top 10. And then it went to shit, and then now yeah. we're back to where it was before. So good on that. Their PK still sucks, but uh, um, St. Louis had what three, four, three or four power play goals against them, and then before St. Louis, yeah, it was just it was just terrible. Um, but I guess that's what you get. I mean, Sean Monahan's gone now, so they're the really weak at center. Uh, they really only have the one line, and that's Suzuki, Caulfield, Slavkowski. Uh, although, yeah, uh, I think uh, Joshua Waugh's looking good in the in the role he's playing on the team. I think Joel Armia's playing well for the team in the role he's now playing yeah. on the team. Yeah. Um, you know, so there, you now you kind of have to look. It's going to be a rough 22, 27 games or whatever is left. Um, be bad. I don't see a whole lot of wins coming our way. Uh, maybe 10, maybe. Maybe. I think that's going high. Um, um I think you you hit the nail on the head. Monahan's departure, <laughs> while getting a first is good value, uh, for the remainder of the season, it's gonna cause a lot of problems. Mm. And when you have Evans as your number two center, I know Newhook has come back and he has looked very good. He has, he has. He's not really in my opinion, he's not a center, he's more of a winger, and he is a little bit smaller, so he's gonna get out muscled. Uh, there's not a lot of support for him while Armia is playing well. Armia is still a bottom six player, not a top six player. And I mean, so, and that goes also, you have guys like Anderson and Gallagher who are just goats out there. Um, well, Gallagher just got back, so I'll take it easy on him. He just got back from his mini vacation. Um, but uh, Anderson's a ghost out there. Like before I was defending him because he was in on the plays, he was making the plays, he was just snake bitten. Now I don't even think he's snake bitten. It's just like he's just going through the motions. And uh, I don't really know. I was a big Anderson defender. I thought he was he, – I think he's a good power forward when he's a power forward. But he's not even – I don't know what it is. 
I really don't oh. know what it is. He he just fallen right off the. He's fallen right off the tracks. Well, j- since the the game against the Devils in mid January, uh, Anderson has been up and down. There's shifts where he looks like the Anderson that you you expect, and then mm. for a long period in the same game, he, he's like you said, he's going through the motions. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he's dealing with an injury, or he's not doing well with this the changes or the lack of stability in the lines i don't know what it is i'm hoping it's I mean, some kind of a nagging injury that's causing this because otherwise i'm i'm kind of worried i mean last year and the year before you could say injuries were caused i mean as a power forward he was always streaky anyway so he was always yeah. he's going to get 10 points in 10 games and then go 10 games and not get a point that that was always his his thing but I'm not Which even talking fine. about points. I'm pointing out what you what you were talking about. Yeah. It's not the points. It's he was going. To, he was doing what he needed to do to produce, but he was snake bitten. But he was still doing it. Now yeah. he's not. He's, that, and, that, and that's what I, and that's what I'm saying. This year, if he's not injured, what are you doing? Because you're not. You're like I said all along, which I thought was weird, was when he used to come in do his rush to the side and come in, it was always a forehand shot and he would he yeah. scored on. Now he comes in, he tries his backhand thing almost every single time. And it never ever works because he doesn't have the room to do a backhand. He doesn't have the, you know, especially when a guy's there and the goalie's out. And now he's just, he's like the, he's the player where the puck goes to die. Like it's just, <laughs> and I, I don't know how to explain. I don't know why, but he is the second half. Joel Armia. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like they switched spots. Like Joel yeah. Armia is now the guy, you know, he got two assists the other day. I think he now has 10 goals, three assists or something silly like that. And uh, he's, he's actually putting the effort in. He's great at killing penalties. He's, you know, he, he's, he's trying to drive the line. He's trying, you know, he's forechecking, he's backchecking, he's doing everything he needs to do. And it's just like Anderson just doesn't know. He's like, the Alex Kovalev who doesn't feel like playing today, right? He's just yeah, but it doesn't seem like it's a, a lack of effort. It just I don't like a lack. It's of hard effort. to explain. I, I have no idea how to explain it. And, and I agree. I don't think he's just going out there and saying fuck it. He's like just going out there and saying it's almost like he's going out there and saying I don't know what to do. I don't know what yeah. they want me to do. He's a, he looks lost. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, if you can trade them, trade them. Well, I mean, it, it looks bad. It looks bad considering last year they could have got a first for him, and now you might have to give away something to get rid of him. So, but I think a chain of senior scenery for him would be do wonders, uh, kind of similar to Drewan going to Colorado. Uh, not that Drewan's breaking up the scoring, but he seems a better hockey player and Colorado than he was in the last few years in Montreal. Um, well, Anderson get... is Anderson's a playoff guy. He is. Um, but you're not going to get the first that you would have got for him last year. No, maybe this summer, if he stick, if he, he raises his game a little bit, you know, you can probably get away with that, but. I, I uh, I know. I don't want to say right out that Hughes missed the boat on that. Cause I see where he was coming from. Last year, he dealt with injuries. He's playing on the third line. He still managed to get 21, 21 goals. 
Uh, he looked like he was trending upwards. Uh, you know, if he was worth a first last year and he trends up and he scores, say, 25, 27 goals this year, it's going to be worth more than a first going into the, you know, as his contract dwindles down, there's less years left on it. Uh, but he just went backwards. I mean, he's on pace for what? 12 points or something. I don't know. Something uh, like that. Like he might have 12 but back, now, but... back to the, um, the, the Canadians as a whole, um, the last few games, it's been up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, and I think, I think the reason why we're seeing steady play and output from the top line with Suzuki, Slavkovsky, and Caulfield, they're putting up points every single game. The rest of the team, however, is unable to sustain the the type of play they need to compete with everybody, game in and game out. Totally agree. Uh, maybe the third line, the one with Waugh, Newhook, and uh, Gallagher? That's the one in yeah, the, the last game. Yeah, the third line against the Capitals in the last game, they did really they well. They played well. They did really well. And I'll be honest, I think it was Wall that was driving that line and uh and working hard. Uh you know, uh Jack I got the first goal there because of that line and Wall's work mm -hmm. and, and the thing. Uh so that's a positive. But you're absolutely right. That line the first line gets on the ice. If they don't get trapped in their zone, which they're not doing as much as they were at the first of the season. Uh, they're controlling the play. They're in there. They're getting shots. They're getting, I mean, and the in the Anaheim game, I think Cole Caulfield had al almost as many shots as the entire Anaheim team. I think he had 10 shots and Anaheim had 13 or something similar to that. Yeah, um, at the time, it was uh, Anaheim had eight and he had eight or nine for yeah. a long period of time. Um, but that's just the way that line's going. And, and I think they just have the perfect combination of players. They have the sniper. They have the 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 center that can do both, and then they have Slavkovsky, who's winning the board battles, controlling the puck, getting the space open for Caulfield and Suzuki, and nobody on that line cares who scores the goal as long as they score. That, that and that's that's I think key to a line like that is you have some guys like snipers who are like, well, I'm the goal scorer, I got I got to score the goal. Right on that line, I mean Suzuki. Sometimes Coffee looks happier when Suzuki scores than he does when he scores himself, um, and and I think that's good. I, and I think that line it reminds me of when Doc was on that line last year. Uh, yeah. Only I think it's better. I honestly do think it's better. I'm not, you know, I think Slavkowski has made that line better. It's more more complete line. Caulfield's more a complete player. He's more. He's playing a better two way game. He he he's passing the puck more. He's he's you know, not always shooting. I mean, he is, but he's not always shooting like he was. They weren't always looking for him to make the yeah. shot. Yeah. Uh, and and this goes for the power play as well, why I think the power play is succeeding. Um, and Suzuki, who now leads the team in goals with 20, his third season in a row with 20 goals, Suzuki's coming close to being a point-per-game player. I think he's on a 10-game point streak or something silly like that. He is, yeah. Uh, Slavkowski's on an eight-game point streak. Caulfield just stopped his team game point streak and i i think he's back started on up him. again started up again i think he only missed one game with without a point yeah. and uh so and it just goes to show but you're absolutely right when you go to that second line with evans armia and pearson it just doesn't have the same you know they're on their heels 
the other team presses yeah. and then it's not the same. And then as the third line kind of gives you that break, then you have your energy line, but your energy line is only out there for eight minutes a game. So like yeah. Ignat, Pizzetta and uh, Yelonen or whoever they decide to put in for that. It hasn't well, been Yelonen lately. It, but. it, it was uh, mostly Gallagher this last game. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that line is doing okay, but again, it's only out for eight minutes a game and, so, I mean, the last game against Washington, the top line, each player had around 24 minutes. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Suzuki was at 23.30. Uh, Caulfield was at 24 exactly. Safkowski was at 23.52. Uh, the only the only player with more time than that than the Habs' top line was Matheson at 26. Yeah, and Matheson's all season's been leading because he plays PK, yeah. power play, and all three lines basically but everything everything um so it's they play it's not like the other lines did put in a good effort or didn't play well at all like there were times when the second line took over for a shift or two same as the third same as the fourth but nothing nothing sustained and they're just not consistent washington back yeah, exactly. They're not consistent enough. Like no. when you have a good team, uh, I mean, I'm just looking at a, I'm looking at Twitter now, and like you look at Edmonton, McDavid, Hopkins, and Hyman, Gensel. Well, that's not now, but that's, and then you have Drysaitel, Kane, and Perry or Holloway. You have two lines that you can put out there, and you're you're you know those lines are going to produce. You know those lines are going to do their their whatever, and then you, you know. You know, you 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 take this the third lines out there to give the first two lines a good rest, but they're also a line that you want to be able to sustain. And then the fourth line is just an energy line. Okay, boys, you know they they they've they they've come at us. They got the momentum. Let's go out there, crash and bang, take them off their game, and then we'll get the first line back on to take momentum back. And right now, Montreal just has one line. That's it. They have that one line. The other two are trying. And it's just lack of talent. It's just lack of talent on the other two lines. Um, but it goes back to my Anderson thing. If Anderson was playing the way Anderson played last year, uh, you know, if Gallagher was the old Gallagher, we wouldn't really have that much of an issue with the talent on the other lines. It still wouldn't be the same as the first line, but you wouldn't be sitting there going, can we just play the first line for 60 minutes and get this over with? Um, I mean, you can't, but... Um, on, we'll, we'll move from that over to uh, rumors. The trade deadline's coming up. There's some rumors out there. I've um, been talking to some people behind the scenes, and yeah, let me let me get my forehead in here. <laughs> Inside, I'm no Kevin. Thirty-seven hours. Yeah, one for each of my one for each of my contacts in the game. In the game, you're you're the EA Sports of the. <laughs> I, I can tell you right rumors. now. I can tell you right now what's happening in the. And well, I don't have twenty four in the twenty three trade deadline for my my season on NHL. I know exactly who we're trading for. Yeah, McDavid. Um, what well, what? The, so the Canadians have a few players that are being talked about, uh, namely Allen Savard. Uh, there's been a little bit of talk about some of the younger defensemen, but 
we'll stick to the two main players that we think are more than likely to go if a decent offer comes. With Allen, it, it's clear that Hughes doesn't want to keep the three-goalie rotation. And you talked about it earlier. It's not working, especially for Allen. Uh, at the first of the season, it was kind of working. Allen was stealing games. Everyone was playing well. But it was more of a one-for-one. Montembeau, Allen, Montembeau, Allen, Montembeau, Allen, Primo. Montembeau, Allen. You know what I mean? And then Montembeau kind of got some momentum going, started playing better. So now it's like Montembeau, Montembeau, Allen, Primo, Montembeau. So now Allen's like, okay, I'm only playing once a week, if that, right? Yeah. And it's just not working for him. Um, And it's going to be hard, like, because of that, his numbers don't look good. Uh, and uh, you're kind of like, okay, is he tradable? Um, now, I just wrote an article about the retention that's available for the... I was um, going to bring that up. Um, and I believe you can trade Allen for a okay return if you retain his $3.8 million, like 50% of his $3.8 million. Yeah. Because now, now you have a backup goalie for just for under $2 million. That's going to take you through two seasons. And a team like Colorado, I know there's been rumors, uh, he'd be a perfect backup for Colorado. He would. Uh, and you also have uh, Carolina, who could use a player like him. Yeah. And again, New, New, Jer- well, New Jersey's 50%. looking for more of a yeah. New Jersey's looking for more of a starter, but yeah. But maybe uh, Carolina's just looking for some help. Edmonton, sure, okay, uh, things are going well there right now, so I don't see them panicking. But definitely Colorado, definitely. Carolina, and if you eat fifty percent, maybe you get a second, a late, late second. Maybe, maybe. maybe. But to, uh, uh, if you don't eat any up, you're you're not even looking at the you're not even looking at the third round. Unless Toronto's you're taking back off- a really bad contract. Yeah. Toronto's offer if a first six rounder is probably what you're going to get. Yeah. Well, probably maybe a fourth rounder. So I mean, I, I, Allen has history. He has. He does experience. Teams know he's not a terrible goalie, um, but teams also know if this guy doesn't get at least a game in a week, we could be wasting our money with him. So, yeah. But I so, think but, um, I think the more likely aspect of the the buyout or not the buyout the uh, the retention aspect is they'll play middleman in another trade. Yes. Yeah, so I brought that up in the in the article as well. So my my main guys were uh, uh, Savard, Armia, Pearson, Allen, all the guys that are rumored to go. Yeah. Uh, Pearson because he hasn't really been playing well. If he's only a one year contract at three and a half, personally for me, if someone gives you a fifth round pick, make the trade. If not, his contract's done at the end of the year anyway. What difference does it make? Um, Armia, you take half of his salary. You may get something. Like Allen, like a second or a high second for Amia, you might, you might, or a B prospect yeah. or something. But if you want max value out of that retention, which is what Hughes pretty much said in his presser, uh, you're going to be the third party for a team that can't afford the player they yeah. want. So you're going to sit there, and that way you're almost getting two things, uh, something from each team, in the same trade without really giving anything up. You're just saying, yeah, I'll take that guy and then cut his salary in half again and then give it to that guy. Um, 
So that's, I think, the smarter route to go if he really wants to maximize that retention spot. And it has to be on a one or two year uh, deal, or you're going to have two. Re- I mean, you're already going to have two retention spots next year if you got rid of Amaya or Savard or Allen. So yeah. you want to have that one remaining um, for next year if you're in the same position uh, as they are. Uh, I, see, I think more likely it's going to be uh, a rental player that uh, that gets moved in a deal like that. I so, do as well. It, I do. And it, yeah. it's going to be a high price. It could be like a Jacob Markstrom coming from Calgary to say Carolina or New Jersey. Say New Jersey wants Markstrom as their number one so they can go in the playoffs. I'm just making shit up here. That's a lot uh, of years left, though. I, I get it, but I'm just saying if I can't yeah. think of someone big who's a one year contract. Um, well, Gensel, like a Jake Gensel, Gensel thing. Yeah, they could do that. Uh, they did. They've already dealt with Jeff Petrie of Pittsburgh, so exactly. Uh, so they could take Gensel, and if Gensel wants to go to say Edmonton or where Toronto or wherever he wants to go, then he was going to say, all right, I'll take half his salary, but I'm getting a first-round pick from someone. I don't care which person. Preferably Pittsburgh, because yeah. they're going to finish lower in the standings than maybe Toronto. So, Or it could be Toronto. Yeah. Toronto could not make the playoffs. They're a wild-card team right now. Well, they there the is that possibility. But, uh, so, um, yeah. Sure. But you're absolutely right. I, I totally agree. The best thing for him to do is to use that retention to in a bigger trade with two other as a third party team. Now for the, to finish off the rumors, we got a few minutes left here before we move on to the commercial break. So I don't see any real uh, quality rumors out of this. There's, there's not a lot of smoke out there right now about specific players and whatever smoke there is, is coming from like uh, like these clickbait websites that post on Facebook. Yeah. Not ours. Not our clickbait. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of clickbait sites out there. Uh, and they, they, they try and bank on the Canadians' popularities, so they put out stupid things. But there's nothing out there, really, that says, hey, these guys are, are being shopped. They're available. Here's the price. Like it's stuff that we saw over the last couple of years. The only person I think that's going to be shopped is Pearson because he's an expiring contract and they're just going to look to see what they can get out of him. Allen, I think, is being shopped. Uh, but we already kind of know that. Savard, now Hughes pretty much came out and said he's not shopping Savard. He's listening to offers. We've heard this story before from a different GM of the Canadians. Uh, but he's not really, he has no intentions of really moving him right now. Um, however, he's going to be a hot commodity come close to the trade deadline, and he may have a hard time saying no to some offers that come flying through. Well, like he said with uh, Lekkinen in his first uh, at his first deadline, he's not shopping Lekkinen, but then all of a sudden, uh, a Baron and a second shows up, Lekkinen goes to Colorado. Yeah, so I can I can see that that kind of thing where he's not shopping a player, but the guy has a lot of value to a specific team and they offer up the price. Yeah. And, and, and especially with a, uh, especially with a guy like Savard who people uh, teams contending teams love a big defensive defenseman type defenseman, 
said defenseman a lot, and <laughs> right for the playoff run because they know they're going to beat the shit out of everyone that comes in front of the net, which is what they want. And mm-hmm. so I can't see them not trading. So I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen. But if someone comes out and says, we're going to give you this prospect in our first for, for Savard, if you're going to get a first for Sherratt, it's not out of the woods to say you can get a first for Savard. Um, yeah. How's he going to say no to that? He won't. That, that's what he I mean. Won't. You literally just acquired a third first round pick in the 2024 draft and you're going to get a prospect with it. I mean, I don't know what level of prospect, but or probably not the greatest, maybe a B or a C. Yeah. Or we're going to give you this A level prospect and a second or a third. Then you're also going, well, make it a second and you got a deal. Exactly like uh, like the Lekkonen trade. Um, So it depends on what he wants to, because we all know, and I'm going to call it right now, he is going to make moves at the trade deadline. And I believe any extra first or second round picks he picks up are going to be on the move. He wants yes. a young. He wants a young scoring he's forward. He's stockpiling, yeah. and you're going. And like you mentioned, Harris. Well, def, a young defenseman, Harris and Barron. If any of them move, I think it'll be at the trade deadline and a bigger deal to get someone. Someone in. I agree, and with that, we will end this section of the show. We'll do some commercials, and when we come back, uh, I'm going to unleash Treg. <laughs> uh giggity. welcome back part two of uh episode 396 of habs unfiltered and this half of the show is going to be dedicated to one topic Yuri Slavkovsky. now over the last couple of weeks we've been seeing a lot of i don't want to some some mistaken takes some hot takes taken without uh, context. So Sportsnet, for instance, going on about Slavkovsky's inability to crack a top line, should be demoted, sent to the fourth line or the AHL, while they're discussing him in a game where he's on the top line and already had a point in that game. It's lazy reporting. It's basically, we haven't watched him play. Whoever give us our information hasn't watched him play. Uh, like if they would have said that back in November, okay, I understand, yeah. right? Uh, but they obviously old notes. Yeah, they obviously didn't hadn't watched him play in over a month, and I mean, in that time, he wasn't really on the streak he was now. He was just starting the streak he's on now. But right. his play through the year, and we argued this when he wasn't scoring. But he's doing this, and he's doing this, and he's more engaged, and he's using his body, and he's winning puck battles. And then it started coming out, even the guys who were calling for him to be sent to Laval were kind of saying, hey, he's really coming along with this, even before he started all this scoring. So Mm -hmm. even those Habs fans, and yes, Habs fans are passionate. We are a passionate group of people. Uh, And it goes back to the fact that Montreal Canadiens hockey is a religion. I'm so, it's it, legitimately. And it legitimately and there's right wingers to every religion and we really really like I think the thing and I, I might go on a tangent here but I think the thing with Slavkovsky is this is the first real prospect we've seen 
that has potential to be something special in a very, very, very long time. Yes. Um, Galchenyuk had that 30-goal year, and then everything went to shit. But Galchenyuk's attitude wasn't Slavkovsky's attitude. Uh, Slavkovsky wants to win, and he wants to win at all costs, and he wants to be the guy who is the reason why the team is winning. Um, Just look at how he acted after the loss against uh, the Capitals. Exactly, and how he works his ass off every time he's on that ice. And I think that's why that line's playing so well. I mean, if you look at the stats, uh, Slavkowski has... uh, Nick Suzuki has 53 points in 55 games. He's on pace for, what, 78 points, 77 points, I think that is. Uh, yeah, almost 80, yep. So he's going to have the most points since Alexei Kovalev had his 84 back in 99? 99? 2009. 2009? Okay, that's 10 years off. Yeah. Um, you know, Kyle is on pace for a 60-some-odd point season. He has 45 and 55. Um, both of them are on pace for close to 25 to 30 goals. Then you have Slavkowski. 30 points in 55 games, 22 points, I believe, in his last 25, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I think it's 10 in the last six, something like that. It's 11. He's just improving game by game. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In his eight-game point streak, he has three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. 12 12 points in his eight-game uh, point streak and he has yeah I'm not even going to count it but you know so far since the 11th of January he's only not scored in one two three four games actually I can go back to the 10th and say that I can go back to the 1st of January and say he hasn't scored in five, uh, six games since the 1st of January He's had multiple, multiple, like two point games, three point games. Yeah. Uh, this all, this all started uh, when they started, when, when they started putting him on that top line, when they trusted him to be able to compete against top six players, because he started to show that he could. Well, he, I think now from the pressers that I, watched and listened to and from the reporters that we know and that we've talked to and that we, we read their articles and all this kind of stuff. Marty St. Louis had a, he was working on a plan with Slavkowski. Yeah. He's going to learn everything he doesn't know. He's going to learn what he needs to do away from the puck. He's going to learn how to, you know, he is the power forward of the line. He's going to learn how to use his body correctly. Uh, when was the last time you seen Slavkowski take a hit that almost killed him? When have you seen him lose a puck battle? Exactly. Last year, we were all like, all "Man, this guy's gonna, this guy's gonna get killed," right? This year, and not only is he doing that, but Slavkovsky's listening and learning. So this is the difference you have with Galchenyuk when he had his thirty goals. Galchenyuk didn't listen and learn. Galchenyuk just did what he thought he could do, whether it was right or wrong, and he had other issues, but. Sofkowski, his attitude is, I want to be the, he said right at the draft, I don't care where I get drafted, but I want to prove that I'm the best player in the draft. And so far, he is the best player in the draft. So far. So far. So far. 
It's early. I can't predict the future, right? Um, so, watching his development over the entire year, you if you paid attention, you saw it coming. You saw it coming. Because he, he was You've building blocks. It. He, he yes. went from falling down a lot to not falling down, to keeping his head down, to having it up, to losing puck battles along the boards because he didn't know how to position himself, to winning all the puck battles, and on and on and on. And not only does he win puck battles, but he even looks to see where everyone else is on the ice while he's winning that puck battle so he can know where to put that puck when he wins it. Right? That is high IQ. That is high, you know what I mean? Like, his defensive game. I'm surprised he doesn't play on the penalty kill. I really am because he's a very good defensive player. Um, His skating got better. Uh, He's not the greatest skater. skater. He's not the fastest, but it got better. Like he's better skater than he was last year. Um, Two hundred foot player because of that now, and that's just it. Um, you know, when he loses a, if he loses a puck battle, and the puck goes, the play goes the other way, he is one of the first ones back, forwards back. Like he puts his head down and he guns it as fast as he can to get back there, and he positions himself well. Um, so all, and now he's shooting. He's working with Doctor Shot, and it's showing because his he has a hell of a friggin' shot. But we knew that. And I'm going to toot Grant McKay's little uh, horn here. He was saying all this last year. Grant was saying all this last year, or not last year, but the draft, his draft year. He was saying, this guy, every line he played on for Slovakia and the Olympics and that, he made better just for being on the line. Right? Well, I mean, we got him going there. After a few beers at uh, McLean's Pub <laughs> after the draft, once, once he got a good glow on, Man, he wouldn't stop talking about the kid. And well, what do you blame him? But even you know me, I was a right guy. I had the shirt, make the right choice. Yeah. I wore that. Slavkovsky loved seeing it, laughed at me, pointed at laughed. This is the attitude the kid has. I didn't wear it to the actual draft. I was wearing it during the day. Um, but uh but when they picked him, I was like, okay, I'm I, I knew they were picking him that morning. We told the story already, but uh uh I was okay with it. I was like, okay, I'm okay with this. You know, like I, I, this is not out of left field. I don't know if it was the right choice because we all said, well, they need a center. So that's why I was on right because they needed a center. And they picked him, and I'm glad they did now because how right has how many NHL points? One. But anyway. Uh, it's Montreal. <laughs> that goal against, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Welcome to Montreal. It happens yeah. to everyone. But uh, except Zadina. Anyway, uh, <laughs> who said it was going to happen? Sorry, Zadina, it didn't. Uh, so if you research this kid, if you put the effort in to seeing this kid's progression, because we're going to get to something else in a minute. If you weren't lazy in your evaluation of Slavkowski, you would, you would come to the conclusion that as of right now, Slavkowski is meeting all the markers he needs to meet to make him out to be a viable first overall pick. Now, I'm not going to say no. he's going to be a 100-point scorer or he's going to be no. whatever. What I'm saying is he has the potential to be the first overall pick that we hoped he would be. Now, I, I know there's a lot of people who use the advanced statistics to uh, to assess players, to project players, but... You cannot just rely on that. You need to watch these players. 
because especially when you're only 19, when they're only 19 years old, you're looking for subtle improvements in their game. And we just, we just listed off 50 of them in the last few minutes. When you see a player over a 92 game span, go from being Bambi on ice to a top line player who's impacting the game every single shift. Well, they're doing something right. They're doing what they're supposed to. Uh, they're improving. But just because they didn't score a ton of points in their first 40 games doesn't mean they're a shit player. Cole Caulfield. Uh, Jack his Hughes. First, Jack Hughes. Well, Jack Hughes had the COVID issue too. So he he, he had the, didn't have the games played. But then again, Slavkowski had a shoulder injury. So he didn't have the games played either. Exactly. But so they have the exact same point total. I think Sokoski has one more goal yeah. than uh, he does uh, over yeah. their 93 games. Now, I'm not saying Sokoski is going to be Jack Hughes. They're two totally different players. Uh, and Jack Hughes is a dynamic. He's an amazing player for the New Jersey Devils. So I'm not going to sit here and say Sokoski is going to be as good as Jack Hughes. No, but, but a first overall taking some time to reach their potential. Potential. Because if you go through the history, there's what two first overall picks who were a point per game player when they were 19, maybe in I the think. last 25 years or so. Yeah. Two McDavid. And I think Austin Matthews in this first season, I think was a point per game player. I'd have to look was that it up. Crosby, uh, maybe Crosby, well, maybe Crosby Crosby was could be, but even that's over 20 years. So, but still, but still. So, I mean, you have to be something special to be that point-per-game player at 19 in the NHL, all right? So if you have a model that states every 19-year-old should be a point-per-game player if they're a first overall pick, well, obviously that model's flawed. That's not every first overall pick is made the same. Correct, and not everyone develops the same. That's right. Right? Not all drafts are the same. I'm not saying that model's bad. I'm not saying it you just know, needs more, it, more you, inputs. If, if, but if that's the conclusion you come out with, and then you run with that conclusion without doing the research to say, well, wait a minute, how many first overall picks actually were a point per game player at 19? Because even if you did that little bit of research, you were saying, okay, there's something wrong here because we have two or three in the past 20 years that were actual point per game player at 19. So instead of saying at 19, let's say at 2021. Because now we have a percentage this high of 21-year-old first overall picks that are a point-per-game player. Whereas we had a percentage that was really low at 19. If you're, if you're doing that to say he is trending in a specific direction sure. and your, your model says he's trending downwards, okay, fine. Sure, sure. Based but, on this, this, and this, sure, whatever, but... To sit there and say, I think everyone knows what we're talking about, and I don't really care in who or who we're talking about, uh, you know. And I'll be honest, I reacted to this. I quote tweeted the tweet and said it was lazy because that's the way I saw it. You did not do the research on Slavkowski, just like Sportsnet didn't do the research on Slavkowski, and you did not do the research on your model. Your model is probably a great model. It probably works wonderful with what you put into it. But it has its flaws when you're looking at that particular aspect of players. Obviously. 
Because if you're going to come out and say, if you're going to come out and say a 19 year old should first overall pick should be a point per game player, there's something wrong. You would like them to be, but let's be honest, uh, generational talents can do that. But that's pretty much it. We have what? Four players, maybe five in the NHL that are generational talents. You have Ovechkin, you have Crosby, you have McDavid. I'm going to say Austin Matthews only because he's a goal-scoring machine and no one scores like he does. Um, yes, I said it, Toronto land. I said Austin Matthews was a mm. generational, but he's on that cusp. But is, because not, not, not even Bedard meets that standard. But but Bedard, I, I think Bedard will be a generational talent, to be honest with you. I don't know if he'll be a generational talent, but he's going to be good, fucking close. He's going to be... He's going to hit his 100 points, that's for sure. He's literally Not doing year, it. But, yeah. before, before he got hurt, he was literally doing everything in Chicago. He wasn't he a was Chicago. player, but he, you know, look at the team he's playing on. Um, the only one getting points. Yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, so, I mean, so that's what I mean by lazy. Now, this person didn't like what I said. No. They no, that, me. they did not. They did. Apparently they're my boss. Um, yeah, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> I did not t- send you DM on this. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so you're, no, you're not my boss. So you can take that and do what you want with it. Uh, and if you are my boss, I want my money. Um, so yeah, we, yeah, your boss is the king of uh, of Canada right now. That's your boss. Pretty much, yeah. Chief Petty Officer Greg Butt is my immediate supervisor that sits over next to me. Um, yeah, I don't even Greg. think he—I don't even think he really knows what the internet is, so I'm not worried about him listening to the show. Uh, but first of all, all I got to say is arrogance gets you nowhere, and that was pretty arrogant to DM me like that. Uh, and I'm not naming any names. People know who it is just from what we're talking about. Um, but I call things like it is. I've done this show for how long and when have I ever, I make terrible takes. I put terrible shit out on the internet. Oh God. Uh, yeah, you I do. You know, You're uh, the worst. and I, and I take it, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. It's probably wrong. Sometimes I do it for reactions. I believe this was done for reactions. I believe they seen a name trending. I believe they went with it. Didn't do the research and here they are. And now they're going to listen to this show and she's going to fucking lose her mind. And she's going to be like, so sorry, Cryer Media. Sorry, Dean. But I speak my mind. If you don't like that, then I don't know what to tell you. Well, the show is called Unfiltered for a reason. Exactly. I mean, and again, I'm not saying what they did. The take was bad. I'm not saying yeah. the effort and the work they put into their model was bad. I'm just saying based on the outcome that you said the model had, more research would have showed you that that's not can't be right you know what i mean like you understand what i'm saying i don't know the whole story i don't know i've never seen the model so i can't sit there and say the model i'm just basing a plot on what i heard of what came out of the model from the people so i'm not going to sit here and like people put work into these things and i'm not going to take that from them it's not easy to do that Um, no it is not so the work was there. So to say lazy might have been, I'm not saying the model was lazy. I'm not saying the work was lazy. The research was lazy. The research on the player was lazy. 
that that's what I'm saying is lazy. If if I just without watching the player, just looking at stats, and then you say, here's a, a first overall pick who in their second season has 30 points in 55 games and 12 goals out of those 30 points. Do you feel that they're living up to their first overall potential? You might say no. I, I'd say Without, no, but if I look if I look at past first overall ones like Lafreniere, uh, Mc, uh Hughes and McKinnon. McKinnon, uh, then I could say, well, the, he's not far off from what those guys were. A matter of fact, he's actually doing better than what uh, Lafreniere did in his first year. Uh yes. But I believe Lafreniere was 18, so I'd have to look at his second-year stats. But no, I would not – because those guys at first were not living up to their first overall expectations. Now, as a first overall, should he be a point-per-game player at some point? I would say yes. Yes, your first you want sure. your first overall player to be a point-per-game at some point in his career, preferably sooner than later. Um like McKinnon, I think what it was fourth season. I think was when he finally hit the point per game. Uh, he was fifth or sixth, fourth or honestly. yeah, somewhere around there. And but you've seen the growth, you've seen the progression, you've seen exactly the, right. And then as soon as Colorado surrounded him with the right people, off he went, and he's probably going to win the MVP this year. So um, yeah, 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 and so again. Because I'm probably going to get another DM tomorrow or tonight or whenever the show goes out. I'm not saying the work that went into the model was lazy. I'm saying the research and the player that you use the model to base your opinion on was lazy. Or it just, you just, I mean. Incomplete. I'm going to say incomplete. incomplete. I don't know if it was lazy. or I'll say incomplete. If it was planned. Maybe it was planned to be salacious like you said Maybe. You know, a hot take Maybe. to get reactions and i can I totally that see time. that i do of that course. all the time i, I, I did but it when to... i said it's Slavkovsky as good as mitchkoff look at their look at their totals of course i did that for reactions i'm not an idiot well Slavkovsky well, is clearly I, I better am, than I, mitchkoff i am a bit of an idiot yes Slavkovsky's killing him in the nhl so yeah <laughs> but i am a bit of an idiot but Yes, I gave that for reactions. Now, people are going to say, no, you didn't. You honestly think Slavkovsky's better. I never said in my tweet he was better. I said, what do you think? It's a question. So before you read it, read the actual tweet. But back to my point, maybe you did do it for a hot take. Maybe it was to be salish. Maybe it was to generate sure. traffic to your show. That's great. But doubling down in defense of the point of view, I can understand if you truly feel that way. But if you're if you're not using common sense and an eye test to go with your analytical approach, because I'm a big proponent of analytics. I like them. I think they provide value, but you can't say, yeah, he's only got 30 points. He sucks. When you're watching what we said in the first half, how he was improving point by point by point by point. And the development path, whether you agree with how they approach it or not, we're seeing improvements. Results. And we're seeing results. So how can you yeah. say the development path was bad if it's worked? It could have been better, maybe. Maybe they think it could have been better. Now, I would agree. And if this was uh, something brought up in November, because uh, mm -hmm. he was trending negatively back then. Yeah. 
I would say, yeah, you're you're probably right. He probably should have went to the AHL or back to Liga. Something like that. Sure. Not, Give him another not year. Sweet. Not the SHL because there I don't even know how he would get to the SHL. He has no affiliation with any teams. Maybe but somebody owns his rights there. I don't know. I'll get I'll give the benefit of the doubt that they meant Liga and said SHL. Um maybe. Uh I don't know. And I could agree. I think, you know, if you they would have left him there for one more year, I don't think that would have sure. been bad. Or if no, they would have brought him over and put him in the AHL. Him in Laval, what, I don't think that would have been bad. If they would have no. took him to whatever CHL team had his rights. Uh, Owen Sound, I think. I, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe that would have worked out for him. I think he needed to play with adults because he played with adults in Liga. So I think sending him to the CHL wouldn't have really helped his development at all. Um Although it has from Massar, um, and, and when he when Masar, to point to that when Massar went to the OHL, it was poo pooed because it was more seen as a backwards step. Correct, but he ended up propelling himself to now everyone's saying, "Oh wait, yeah. maybe we do have a good prospect here." Now, until I see Massar in the AHL or wherever he is, I'm not going to say. But based on but his projection, for now, I think, hey, I think that's. So far, I think that could be a very good late round pick for us in the first in that first round. I mean, that draft overall is probably one of the best drafts the Montreal Canadiens have had in 20, 25 years. This century. Like if you look at the amount of potential coming out of that draft, whew, it's probably our best draft ever. I still think the 07 draft is right up there in the last 30 years. Now the twenty-two draft could it could if all four of those top four players they picked end up hitting absolutely, but absolutely. back to back to Slavkovsky who was the first pick in that twenty-two draft, and you since Christmas when he was put with the top line, this is now the longest that a line has been together all year long with the Canadians. No other line has played more than a hundred minutes. There's a reason why they're playing together. And Slavkovsky is a big reason as to why he is making that space. Like he said, you look at their, their advanced statistics, the expected goals for they're, uh, they're leading the team at 51.9. You look at Slavkovsky himself. When you look at his points per 60, his goals per 60, his assists per 60, he's now one of the top three players on the team. When he started the season, he was at the very bottom. And in just, 30 games has skyrocketed to clearly top line player. And we've been saying once we saw how he was uh, gaining confidence and how he was improving his game, we were saying, why is he not on the first line? Why is he not on the first power play unit? Why is he not on the, you know, everyone It was all over social media. Why isn't this guy give him a chance on the first line. And then when they did that, it's almost like they listened to us, which they didn't. I think they had a plan all along to get him there eventually. And they um, followed their plan. And they followed their plan. When they put him there, just like that. It was just like, you know, then we kept saying he needs to shoot more. And then he started shooting and we were like, holy shit, what kind of prospect do we have here? And to me, I think the – now there were a lot of people uh, that really went overboard on the reaction to what happened. Uh, yes, you know, yes. There, there was, and, and that that was not personal called for attacks. Now, personal attacks. No, 
idiot and all this stuff. And that's that's not no. I mean the the person gave their opinion. Whether it was a good one or not doesn't really matter. But there's no need for that. I mean, I know there was discussion, but you knew it was bad when even other writers who covered the Canadians were like, eh, that's a pretty bad take. Um, because those people, like myself, believe that the eye test is a must addition to right. any player assessment. I, I Listen, I, you know me, I was never really an analytical fan until I started understanding analytics. And then I was like, you know what? This is a great tool to use with the eye test That's right. in order to see what type of player you're actually getting. Because um, if we just went by analytics, Victor Mete would still be a top defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens right now. So I still say he's a top pairing defender. Sure. those 10 games. Sure. Um, <laughs> him and uh, Riley would be right in there. Mike Riley, or whatever his name was. Yeah. It, it but, doesn't take into account who they're playing against, you know, that whole thing. And then you look at Slavkovsky, he's doing this. He's putting up those numbers. He's putting up, he's showing this level of play against the top players. Yes. And that's another thing I don't think was taken into consideration. Who is he playing? I mean, Sportsnet thought he was still on the third line. So really, they, if anyone was really lazy in their research, it was Sportsnet. Um, but that, that kind of makes sense to me. They, you know, they only watch one and, team, even though there's like yeah. seven Canadian teams and, they should and, be covering. And Bell Media fires everyone every year. So, uh, hey, Bell, let's yeah. talk. Yeah, our discussion is you're fired. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, I mean, I'm not. Listen, I was a bit angry with the DMs because I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, what the fuck are you doing, first of all? You know what I mean? You gave an opinion. I gave my opinion on your opinion. That's the end of the conversation. Right? Whether you agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. I wasn't malicious about it. I didn't call you an idiot. Yes, I said I said it was lazy. And it, I, that's how I saw it. I saw it. I've said this a few times. I said it was lazy. Uh, I used that word. I used the word lazy. And I think the effort that should have put into something wasn't put in. Um, I mean, I'm 50. I'm yelling at clouds every day. So, uh, <laughs> right? Get okay, off my Abe. lawn. Get off my lawn, Snow. Anyway, uh, so, yeah. So, but to, to, to do that, that really pissed me off. So, Cryer Media, whatever. If you want to get rid of us, go ahead. We're, it's not going to affect us any, I don't think so. Uh, if not, because we were, you know, I speak my mind. So if you have a bad take, I'm going to say it's bad. If I have a bad take, I would expect someone to quote tweet me and say, this was a very bad take. And I've had that. Yeah. Oh, a lot. And just like with you, this bad hot take does not deserve personal attacks, insults, no, 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 no. threats. I mean, there's clearly uh, a section of the fan base that's uh, that's off kilter, but that's well, like the I case say, with every a, fan base. It's a religion, and you have a right wing part to every religion. Yeah. you know they they you know do rain dances and stuff before every game, and believe if you wear your underwear backwards, the team will win, which I do. But 
what I wear. I thought it was because wear. of laundry. But uh, yeah, and personal attacks and stuff like that are not. Maybe this person thought me saying lazy was a personal attack, but it wasn't personal on the person. It was just my way of saying you should have done better research. Um, which to me, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, yeah, probably. Because um, I don't research anything. You can ask Blaine for the show. I don't even open anything up. I just. It's true. You don't even research shit at work. <laughs> I carry a clipboard around and make it look like I'm doing something so everyone leaves me alone. That's my yeah. secret. <laughs> but uh, I do. A positive thing did come out of this. Uh, Habs Reddit and. Uh, uh, Rachel are going to do a charity thing where every point Slapkowski gets, they're going to donate $5 to Canadian Tire, which I think is great. So there is a positive out of this. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know what uh, anyone's going to think of my little rant on this here thing, but don't ever DM me and say you're my boss because it's just going to piss me off. And yeah, okay. you're going to hear it from me. Is that what's going to happen? Let's find out. Let's find out. <laughs> I'm DMing you right now. I'm your boss. With lots of S's. Let me see here. Is this in Twitter? Totally. Let's see here. Fuck you, Blaine. <laughs> that's what I'll say to you. I might not say that to other people, but that's what I'll say to you. Yeah, fair. Totally deserved. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so uh, moving on from that, clearly, uh, I mean, we've gotten our two cents out there. It's obvious we do not agree with that assessment, which is fine. That's fine. It's fine. People can disagree and not absolutely hate each other. That's not true. I hate you with a passion, but we just do the show together. It's true. The I only person I don't left on my desk. The only person I don't hate is Matt. Because <laughs> how can you? You can't. It's impossible can to hate Matt. Hate he, and he was angry about this whole thing too. He was very angry. He was. He, and he was Matt angry? It scared me. <laughs> when you're getting DMs from Matt when he's deployed in Africa in the middle of the night, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just putting that out there. I was scared, and I'm, and I'm not a small person. <laughs> I'm not even going to repeat what he said. No, no, no. It's, the show would be canceled, even on YouTube. Um. All right. So we, we've covered it. We've done our thing. We've gotten our two cents out. It's so over and done. why don't we do some it's over and done? Yeah. Yep. We're moving on. We're going to do some final thoughts at this point. So do you have any final thoughts before we end the show? My final thought is, yes, we're going to disagree, disagree on the internet. Everyone disagrees. Everyone has bad takes. Everyone has bad takes, whatever that thing is. He'll make sure you know what your bad take is. Um, or she. But when you have, or she. I don't know who it is. But uh, yeah. when you have your bad take, just sure. Even if you don't agree that it's a bad take, make your defense and then carry on. Move on with it. Uh, we all have them. We all do them. Some of us do it on purpose. Um, so I guess my thing is, is we're all community. We're all fans. We're all passionate. We do things differently. 
if you're not a Habs fan or if you're not part of the Habs media community, you're this is the backlash you're going to get if you're going to, you know, uh, do that. Um, I'm sorry it got the way it did, but this, I mean, I think every slam, I think every fan base is a bit the same. Um, but uh, that's this, that's what happens. Live with it, carry on. And as any married man can tell you, you're gonna be wrong, and, and you are, it just happens. I mean, so at least once, at least once, you're gonna be wrong. And that and is if, fine. And I'm telling you now, you make I think something's a bad take. I'll quote tweet it and say this is a bad take. He, he's done it to me. I have. I remember the what was it? The rose colored glasses comment I made eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that actually wasn't good. <laughs> you know, shit happens. It happens. And you get over it. You move on and you get over it. The way it goes. So anyway, be nice to each other. Namaste. Love each other. You know, hold hands. In the end, all we want is Montreal to have a contending Stanley Cup winning team. Peace, love, happiness. I'm high right now, my friend. Is it the white boy version of Live, Love, Laugh? I don't know. It's a white. I'm offended. <laughs> I can't believe I'm. I'm DMing you right now. How dare you call me? Fucking good. Um. So, uh, from my end, uh, my final thought. I, I, I echo everything you just said. Respect each other. I mean, the internet is not real life. People get the fuck off the internet every now and then go out and actually talk to someone face to face and realize when you're saying that shit, sometimes they'll punch you. So don't say it, be respectful. So you don't get punched in the face metaphorically or physically. I've been punched physically many times in the face. They've learned that lesson over the years. This doesn't happen from birth. This is, this ugliness was formed. Eh, not what your mom said. My mom said I'm a special boy. Special. She even bought you a hockey helmet. Damn it. <laughs> I did. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I just want to uh, I just want to point out, as we talked about the the Habs hockey community, there's a ton of really great websites and podcasts, and there's a lot of great people out there. Not everyone is an arsehole that you see online. A lot of these people, yeah, a lot of these people are great people. Just talk to them. You're going to see. There's always the outliers. Just ignore those idiots. Hang out with the good people. Like our friends over at Locked On Canadians. Awesome people. Happy Hour. uh, Have a listen. All those guys. Amazing people. Talking Hats, which I was a guest with last week. Yes. And I just want to say to everybody who has stuck with us over the years and keeps listening to us, Thank you, and remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? 
Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.